0: Welcome to the sound plays of Traversity, Demons and Demigods, Book 2 of the series, A Bridge of Doom. Here we continue the tales shared in Book 1. If this is your first visit to the Harkin Theater, we recommend you step back, switch to Season 1, and find the first episode of Prelude, The Hostage Prince. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, share, and follow on your favorite platform. We'd love to hear from you. Simply send comments, compliments, and questions to our email. If you care to help in keeping these complex theatrical productions coming, it's very easy. Just buy me a coffee via the website coffee.com listed with a description of each episode. Except for those preferring to remain anonymous, we will gladly announce you as a benefactor in the final credits of each episode. And thank you truly for listening. Step through the gateway and enter the universe of the Harken Theater.
1: This is episode two of Book Two.
0: Of Doom by Kurt Paul Hotelling. Traversity Demons and
1: Demigods. The Journeys of an Enchanter.
0: grinding of teeth on bone. A low, loud, buzzing sound like some gigantic bee increased as Gawan felt himself drop like a stone through layer after heavier layer of invisible, enveloping ether. Somewhere below him, just out of his dream sight, he knew there was a blazing medallion of silver leading him down. particles of black-on-black black staring back at him. His teeth felt loose and oversized, wobbling in their sockets, and his tongue leaden like filthy ice. He dared not move for fear of aggravating raw nerves racked with an infinite pain he never knew possible.
1: <sighs>
0: Help. The image of Rothson's talisman shone out of the darkness... Breeze rushed through him from the crown of his skull to the ends of his toes, restoring his body to normal. <sighs> what felt like his jaw dangling near his chest was suddenly in its proper place, and with an involuntary gasp, his lungs drew in a strange smelling, stuffy air. <sighs> the long nightmare melted away. A tingling blanket lit <gasps> slowly. He rejoiced at experiencing his body again, limbering fingers as if fitting them into a pair of new gloves. He opened his eyes, blinked several times, and focused on his surroundings. He half hoped to see the forest with Flaina, Clough, and Ablui smiling with mirth at him. His hope faded into the unfamiliar that took shape. He was in a strange room with a slumbering occupant and many unusual things. Clamping down on a sudden pang of homesickness, he forced himself to move. Stumbling a step or two, he discovered to his surprise that he was still standing. A sensation very much like severe muscle cramps shot up his legs as he bent over to rub the offending areas. His sense of touch was somehow distorted, as if he wore a new layer of thick skin over his old... This distracted him from the cramps, and he pinched himself, wanting to analyze and study this unusual feeling. Perhaps an aftereffect of traveling with the talisman. Tis like a covering, a sheath. Then, what caught his eye helped to confirm his assumption, and he had to wonder just what he had gotten himself into this time. Hmm. Instead of his dark gold breeches, recently purchased for him by Flaina, and tall suede boots. He ran fingers over long, creased breeches set above a different set of boots that were smooth and tanned with dark, flat laces crisscrossing up his foot and ankle. Much like short buskins, but without the fur, he wasn't sure if he liked them or not. The breeches were smooth and unwrinkled, reminding him of the tights worn by court servants he had seen in foreign. except these were loose and unbunched. Straightening up slowly from the easing cramps, he touched fingers to the rest of his garb, a wide, snug, tooled leather belt held to the breeches by loops of cloth, a buckle that matched what had been the clasp of his cloak. A gold colored loose bodice or tunic, he wasn't sure which, with a line of small buttons down the center. This under a well fitted, five length coat of finely woven cloth with many pockets inside and out. And though new to him, the outfit felt as comfortable as the tunic, breeches, and cloak so familiar. An alarming thought struck him, and he grabbed for the crystal where it should have been in its pouch. He found a similar pouch of finer leather and embroidered cloth below his shoulder, inside the jacket, and concealed by his arm, the gem hidden within. Patting over his pockets, he found all his belongings in their places. A friendly nudge at his feet reminded him of Glink. He looked down to see his mate staring up at him with genuine concern.
1: Are we better now?
0: A little woozily, the mudcat shifted in place. Gawon reached down and petted him tenderly. I hope so, my friend. I am happy you survived, too. Glink pawed his nose, shook his head, then squeezed his eyes.
1: I'm hungry. (laughs) Of course you are.
0: Happy to have his wardmate still with him, Gawon allowed the mudcat to scamper up his arm and cling to his shoulder. To think I was alone during that hell... He retrieved a lump of dried meat in one of his pockets, unwrapped it, and offered it to Glink, who snatched the meat from his fingers, placed it between his teeth, jumped back down to the floor, then, sitting on his haunches and holding the chunk in his paws, started nibbling furiously. God! Gawon rested a hand on his forehead, then patted over his body to reassure himself that he was indeed back in one piece. Was this what Paul and Marie went through to travel great distances originally? It was more likely that I made an error in the invocation. Just plausible to know, having never met the talisman's creator in the physical. He shook his head and shut out the memories, then reminded himself that this sort of journey was not in the natural order of things. A frightening thought struck him going back be just as bad. Surely wherever he had arrived was within reasonable reach of home by ship or horse. At the same time, he didn't want to be away from Flaina and his companions for a length of normal traveling time he could only speculate about once he figured out where exactly he was. The prospect of feeling his body mangled again put a different light on going back via Rothson's transfer key. Sounds nearby brought him out of his reflection, and he scanned the strange room with its smooth, pale plaster walls and reflected sunlight. What appeared as small, colorful, hardbound books lay sprawled over the floor amidst various small piles of clothing and hard shoes. Fine, white paper, either bound by shining silver spirals or balled up, scattered around the room and overflowing a metallic cylinder near a short stand of dresser drawers. Sparkling silvery odds and ends leaned over a white porcelain basin sunk in a polished wood counter above which was mounted a large square mirror as part of the wall. Adjacent and perpendicular to this was a door hung on rectangular hinges and latched by a silvery spherical handle. Silver must be a Gawon ran fingertips appreciably over the smooth counter next to the white basin. Though wood-grained and glossy, he sensed the perfectly flat and cool veneer was something different, the warm density and subtle imperfections of true wood absent from its feel. There was movement behind him, and he turned to see a long lump turn over under a brown blanket in the room's bed. Curiosity possessed his social sensibilities for the moment, however, and he allowed his attention to wander to more of the unusual things in the room. He wasn't quite ready to awaken his unaware host. His intuition resonated with the conviction that among the many wonders he was bound to encounter in this land of the demigod, there would be at least one useful thing, perhaps knowledge, which would be helpful when he returned to Hopetown. Wondering where any unlit candles or lamps might be hidden, he gazed across the room and out of a tall rectangular window where stood a large tree bearing leaves of a strange shape. He estimated, from the height he was seeing the tree, that he was standing on at least a second story. Beyond the tree were many odd houses, or cottages, or buildings that, though somewhat unusual, failed to hold his interest as much as what the room contained. "...their craftsmen are indeed skilled to be able to shape a piece of glass as large as this without mullions or ripples." He marveled at the size of the window pane. Glink's curiosity was also aroused, his olfactory powers enticed by a variety of new scents. Gawan noticed that life outside made, or was accompanied by, a continuous low roar of movement. The sky was covered with dark clouds, and rain was pelting down fast and hard. Again, he found this thunder sounding quite different from home, much lower and coarser. Thoroughly benumbed by the new experience, he decided it was time to alert Paul of his presence. If this is is indeed where Paul may be. Gingerly picking his way across the floor, he approached the slumbering figure, reached out a tentative hand and lightly shook what he hoped was a shoulder. The covers were flipped back to reveal a dark-skinned, sleepy countenance.
2: What is it, Bill? Huh?
0: Paul fluttered eyelids wide open upon seeing his visitor. Who the hell? What are you... Then frowned with sudden fury.
2: Hey! How'd you get in here?
0: Uh, Gawon opened his mouth to reply but was halted by the outstretched finger pointing at him. He gazed back along it with questioning eyes.
2: Get the hell out of here, man. You weren't invited. Gawon hadn't expected to not be recognized, on the
0: contrary. Then stopped as the words that came out of his mouth failed to match his intent. He stared almost cross-eyed, impulsively trying to see his lips, his mouth half open with bewilderment.
2: Just what's your story, huh? Taking a tour our campus and got lost? Uh.
0: Gaiwan halted the urge to make random sounds just to investigate the odd sensation, swallowed, then decided Paul deserved an answer as he focused eyes on him again. Not exactly. He noted that though what he said and heard from his own mouth was not his native language, he understood it regardless. But the effect was much like picking up a flute to play and hearing a drum stroke come out of the instrument. At the same instant, he was inwardly horrified at Paul's complexion. Red-rimmed eyes set in an ashen, for someone with dark skin, he supposed, complexion. Much like some sailors he had known who derived pleasure in the opiates available along the sea trade routes.
2: Just what exactly is that supposed to mean? My door was unlocked? concentrating on the
0: words thrown at him and finding the initial babble of syllabic anger actually translating in his mind faster and faster. Uh, Gaewan replied at first slowly, then picked up his pace. My dear fellow, don't you recognize me, though? He stopped to glance at his clothes. I am robed differently... Paul threw back the covers and stood shakily from his bed. What? He shoved Gawon hard.
2: I don't remember a nosy prick.
0: Get out! Please, Paul. Allow me to refresh your memory and attempt a small spell. Gawon quickly touched one hand to his brow and envisioned the necessary ciphers.
2: God damn.
0: Paul dropped back upon his bed to sit. Eyes round, fury instantly doused in amazement. Before him stood Enchanter Gaewan, resplendent in his cloak of deep green over a gold tunic, brown breeches, and high boots. The image shone strongly at first, then faded, the figure in dark gold slacks and a dark green jacket reappearing through the illusion, then finally replacing it. Juan beamed triumphantly at the success of his spell, glad he hadn't been forced to physically defend himself from Paul's anger. It seemed you might not remember me. He still worked his mouth around the strange words. I am glad this is not so. Shutting his eyes, Paul rubbed his face with his
2: hands. I must be seeing things. No, no. The last time I thought that, Marie was kneeling and calling me Lord.
0: His energy of the previous moment fled, and, deflating, he looked again at Gawain.
2: It is you, isn't it? The enchanter that helped Marie and me fight the specters?
0: Yes, my friend.
2: And here I've been, working my ass off to stay alive here while wishing Marie and I could get back to Fayek. And you show up here instead.
0: Considering how hard a demigod just might work an ass and off of what... Then, supposing what he thought he heard was just a failure to understand Paul's native language completely,
1: huh.
0: Gaewan frowned with concern. "Mmm, does my presence disturb you?
2: No, just confuses the hell out of me.
0: An icy stab of dread shot through the enchanter as he finally comprehended everything Paul had said to him up to this moment.
2: Though I'm sure of one thing, Marie will be tickled to know that you're here. She likes you a lot.
0: His unexpected visitor's stunned expression stopped him for a moment.
2: Are you all right?
0: The click at the door prevented Gawan from answering. He looked in that direction with alarm, instinctively reached a hand to the non-existent clasp at his throat, then remembered it was now his belt buckle.
2: Oh, that should be Marie. Probably with some food. Who are you talking to, Paul? You won't believe this, but...
0: Paul suddenly discovered Gawan was no longer standing before him.
2: I was, uh, talking to myself, actually.
3: Oh? Carrying a
0: large white paper bag, she turned her head after backing through the doorway, eyes wide with amusement.
3: I never knew you were such a great conversationalist. Here's some food in case you're hungry. Did you want it in bed or at your desk?
2: On the desk, I suppose. I'm feeling a bit better.
3: Oh, that's good.
0: She crossed the room and carefully opened the bag on the cluttered desktop then lifted out a white styrofoam bowl, its lid-edged bright amber from the sloshed contents. Paul came up beside her as she brought out a wrapped sandwich.
2: Mmm, looks pretty good. I've always liked the cafeteria soup and peanut butter sandwiches.
0: He realized he was feeling lonely after Gawan's appearance.
2: Was he really here? Can you stay a while, hon?
0: Marie had gotten so involved with her studies in the past few weeks that he had seen very little of her... Except at mealtimes.
3: Oh, I do wish I could, but I've got to meet with the pathology professor in 15 minutes.
2: Is she acting too dismayed?
0: Paul worried that Marie may have been distancing herself from him lately. Deciding to talk to her about it later...
2: Maybe she is just burying herself in her books.
0: He hoped to invoke a little guilt on her part.
2: Trat. I may feel well enough to leave this whole of a room by tonight. Maybe look for that apartment we talked about last month.
0: He reached for her hand. She seemed to not notice it and turned to leave.
2: Don't
3: go straining yourself, Paul. Even if your blood test came up negative, some viruses never show.
2: Yeah, dear.
0: Marie dug through her purse.
3: Oh, you never take me seriously, do you?
2: No, I just take you.
0: Feeling romantic, he grinned and reached an arm around her. She twirled out of his reach and headed for the open door while wagging a finger at him.
3: No time for it. Do eat something if you're hungry. Don't just nibble at it.
0: Disappointed, he dropped hands and the grimace. With Gaewan unseen and forgotten, he stared at the food on his desk, decided he was pretty hungry, and sat down. First he eased the lid off the soup Bowl and stirred it interestedly with the white spoon she'd brought, then pried the sandwich open to peer inside. Pressing the slices back together, he tore the sandwich in half, dunked it in the still steaming murky amber liquid, and took a bite. Though he tried to enjoy the flavor, sudden despair with his crumbling world soured the taste, and he dropped the uneaten part back on the wrapping paper, rested his head in his hands, and fought tears.
2: Sick as a dog for two weeks. Doctors don't know what's wrong. Missing classwork and rehearsals. Bree getting a And now I'm hallucinating. Gay one? Too good to be true. He
0: nearly jumped out of his chair when the warm hand squeezed his shoulder. Thank you for the compliment. The enchanter was getting more accustomed to the language and how it sounded and felt on his tongue. Afraid the sensation might fade like a dream, Paul grabbed the squarish hand resting on his shoulder and held on tightly, not sure whether or not to believe it was real. The strong fingers warmly returned his grasp.
2: You are here, aren't you?
0: (laughs) If not, then we are both dreaming. Paul dared to let go and turned to look at Gawon, smiling at him.
2: You're not going to vanish again, are you? If necessary. <laughs> Sounds like Marie. Here with me on my world, but sure as hell unseen. By me, anyway. Hey, what was wrong with you just before Marie came in? Uh,
0: yes. Gawan licked his lips, a disturbed look crossing his face. What did you mean by saying you wished you and Marie could get back? Are you saying you... <laughs> Gaewan stopped and twitched his mouth back and forth, as if tasting the jumble of words clamoring for attention in his mind. Are you saying you live on a different... world? Yeah. He watched Gaewan lift eyebrows in amazement. In answering your summons, I'd expected only to be relocated somewhere on... on Fayek. Not another... another world entirely.
2: Now, wait a minute. This doesn't jive, pal. When we last saw you... Hold on.
0: He frowned suspiciously, eyes wandering for a moment, then locked back on the enchanter.
2: What summons?
0: An intuitive chill
2: prickled along Gawain's skin,
0: reminding him of the nightmare and the visitation. Hmm. Clearly, Paul had not consciously communicated his need between worlds. What, what? or who had... Something else is at work here.
2: Did Marie have something to do with it? That might explain why she's not been herself lately.
0: No, not Marie. You, Paul. Or at least a part of you. A subconscious awareness, if you will. You are in distress, are you not?
2: Yeah. Well, I can't wait to see her expression when she knows you're here. I was wondering if maybe she's homesick or something, the way she's gotten so deep in her studies. It might make her happy to see someone she knows from Fayek.
0: Though part of him desperately wanted to discuss with Marie the experience of traveling between worlds, Gawon recognized and obeyed the sudden warning of his inner voice, the law of silence. Paul, you are to tell no one of my presence.
2: What? Why not? That is something, among other things, I
0: cannot explain to you presently. There is an intricate balance here that has been upset, thus the call for help. Once I have corrected matters, if possible, I will be gone. Any rash actions while I am here may make matters worse. Inwardly, he wondered just how bad situations were in this other world of dimming. The only thing of which he was certain was that danger awaited both of them here. Tread Tread carefully. carefully. Paul's disappointment was reflected in his slump as his gaze wandered around the room again.
2: But Marie?
0: No one, unless I desire it. Please, Paul. Paul rubbed absently at a sore spot on his arm.
2: I'm sorry, Gaywon. I don't mean to push. It's just that I haven't been feeling very well for a couple of weeks. You're the best thing that's happened for a while. Thank
0: you. Glad to hear his presence was desired, Gawon wanted to mention he had thought Marie's attitude most unusual, not like the young woman he had met in Forun, but thought better of dwelling on something that Paul was obviously worried about. I will be unseen only when others are about, for the present. Once I'm feeling more secure, I will allow you to introduce me to others. Does that help?
2: Yeah. Hmm.
0: How long did you say you have been ill?
2: About two weeks now. Very strange, too. Started with stomach convulsions late one night, and it hasn't been much better. The med center residents had a heyday drawing blood and testing for all sorts of viruses, including mono, something else I can't pronounce, and just for kicks, AIDS. Despite the fact that I'm not promiscuous, a drug user, homosexual, or a Haitian refugee... And because I've still got an appetite, they ruled out a serious stomach bug. Fortunately, everything else came up negative, too.
0: Clueless, Gaewon stared at him.
2: I'm sorry, Gaewon. I forgot you're not.
0: Gaewon was so confused with Paul's flurry of words that he frowned as he tried to imagine what sort of healer would draw blood from a sick person. Seeing the enchanter's response, Paul realized he had probably befuddled him.
2: To put it simply, I've got a sickness that no one can identify, but is expected to work its way out eventually.
0: He reached for the foam cup of tea on the tray, removed the lid, and took a sip.
2: Marie has been wonderful bringing my meals. I haven't had the stamina to make it across campus to the cafeteria.
0: May I examine you? Seeing as no one else can decide what's wrong.
2: Sure, what the hell. Just as long as you don't try to draw blood. Feel like a dartboard already.
0: I assure you, my friend, I have not the barbaric tendencies your physician seemed to practice. He bent over to touch fingers to Paul's face.
2: That's an interesting way of looking at them.
0: At first, fascinated with the contrast between his pale fingers next to the young man's dark skin, Gaewan peered into his eyes at first, then touched and rubbed various points over his jaw and forehead. I am not trained formally in healing arts, however, I do know enough to cause trouble, as my mother used to say. Mm, the pattern of your irises is disjointed. Your skin is rather rough and pasty-feeling. Unusual for you, I presume. I have not known another person with skin as different as yours.
2: I'm called a black man on this world, one. Negro, to be precise. Or African-American.
0: The enchanter stepped back and looked him over. But you don't have black skin. More like the brown of a stained wood or bark spice. I would call you dark, if anything.
2: Well, don't take things literally around here. You could be called white or Caucasian. But
0: I am not white. I am light. Gawon looked around, then pointed to a messy stack of paper on the floor. That
2: is white. Yeah, yeah, I know. Everybody else does too. But it's a hell of a lot easier to say, see that black man, instead of see that man with the dark brown spice-colored skin.
0: I understand, though having been mistaken for mage, illusionist, warlock, sorcerer, and charlatan, I tend to be a purist in such matters. Paul fought the urge to roll his eyes, remembering their lengthy conversation at the Royal Gala. Let me continue looking at you. He leaned over again and pressed with determination on Paul's face and skull. These hurt you.
2: Yeah, ow! How'd you know that? What are you hitting? Feels like a bruise.
0: Gawan wiggled the fingertip on one spot. Energy points. This is the stream by which your food travels through your body. The sickness surrounds your digesting, as you said.
2: Oh, you're doing that reflex point massage stuff. I've seen some books on that subject.
0: If that is what this is called here, yes. Gawon withdrew and brushed the residual energies off his hands. What have you eaten as of late?
2: Just the usual slop from the cafeteria. Maybe not the greatest, but it's not supposed to make you sick. One night I ordered pizza. That was about the only thing that didn't upset my stomach. It made me think the campus food was the cause. But others would be sick as well, and they're not. It's got to be a virus or something.
0: He toyed with the idea of a diet of nothing but pizza.
2: Nah, too expensive.
0: A virus? What is this? Paul remembered viruses hadn't even been discovered until the early 20th century. Or something like that. He'd have to ask Marie.
2: It's it's like a very, very tiny animal that invades your body and makes you sick. Like an evil spirit, you might say.
0: He was pleased with his medieval insight. Hmm, Gawon frowned in serious consideration Then perhaps you are correct How does one rid oneself of these small animals?
2: Eventually the body rejects the virus There's no cure for it otherwise Kind of like a bad dream Not fun to go through, but you know it'll end sometime
1: Gods, I hope so
0: Gaiwan was reminded of the nightmare summons that made him decide to come here But if Paul believes this virus is nothing to worry about, perhaps the problem in his world is elsewhere and, as yet, undetected. And if this be the case, perhaps I have arrived in good time. He looked for Glink. Well, if you are sure it's not serious, where did Marie go? Something was tugging at his intuition about her, and he wanted to investigate.
2: If she's meeting with her pathology prof, she probably went to the med school. I thought you didn't want her to know you were here.
0: Not just yet. What is a pathology prof?
2: <laughs> I'm sorry, I keep forgetting. Probably because you're dressed in a suit instead of your normal outfit. Marie's going to meet with one of her teachers at the medical school. Ah,
0: can you tell me how to get to medical school?
2: It'd be a heck of a lot easier if I just showed you the way.
0: I thought you were ill.
2: Doesn't matter. I need to get out of these four walls. Mm. Let me cram a sandwich in me and I'll come along.
0: Paul turned around and dunked more of his sandwich deep in the soup. Cram a what in you? He peered cautiously around Paul's shoulder.
2: You don't know what a sandwich is? This thing here.
0: Paul waved the second half in the air while stuffing the soup soaked one into his mouth.
2: It's meat or vegetables between two pieces of bread. Invented by the Earl of Sandwich, or something like that.
0: Mm, sounds interesting. You want a bite? <laughs> Many thanks, but no. I am still unbalanced by my journey here. He contemplated a sore spot on his stomach. Mm, possibly another time.
2: Suit yourself.
0: Paul dunked the other sandwich half and wolfed it down between gulps from the tea. Clinky rascal, leave Paul, stings be. Paul looked around to see, emerging from under his bed, what looked like a kitten-sized cat with a long torso and fluffy tail.
2: That's a nice pet.
0: He is not a pet, Paul. Glink is my boardmate, a creature bonded to my awareness by thought, sight, sound. I've even noticed smells are related to me through him.
2: Sounds like a wizard's familiar in fantasy novels.
0: Paul realized how silly he sounded to himself as he remembered Rothson's gray cat that had watched him with intelligent eyes. As you wish. Gawon sighed inwardly. These comparisons would probably go on for a very long while on both sides, and he was overwhelmed at the prospect. Deciding to restrain his curiosities, he reminded himself that he was here to help Paul though exactly how, he was not sure. Not compare methods and things of living. There is probably nothing here that can advance my knowledge of Fayek no more than Fayek can tell me about this world. His eye wandered to the brightening sky, and he watched as the rain clouds began breaking up and thinning out.
2: I'll be done in a sec.
0: Paul reached for shoes and a shirt. Hey, my scarf! Through Glink, Gawon caught a glimpse of Paul swiping a giant hand at him. He spun around and grabbed Paul's shoulders. Uh, Be gentle, please. He means no harm. Glink merely seeks rodents. The mudcat disappeared under the bed again.
2: Now what's he doing? I've been looking for that scarf for days.
0: Returning it whence he found it. Or is that not what you wish?
2: Nah, well at least I know where it is. You mean your cat can understand what I say?
0: By translating your words through me, yes, I feel what he feels, and he feels what I feel. A mutual bond of life forces, each enhancing the other. Glink's life force is... is strengthened by mine. He could not be killed easily, for my life energy would sustain him. Thus the name Wardmate, ward termed for our safekeeping and guarding of each other, and mate for our lifelong bond. He hoped the words translated equally into Paul's language.
2: Wow, that's really neat. Your kind of magic is so much more interesting than what exists here. Witches, occultists, psychics, devil worshippers. Magic is nothing more than myth and fairy tale. Witches? In the,
0: In the same, same place, place as, as, as demigods? demigods? I would have thought you were spared that curse. With a shudder, Gaewan remembered a strange encounter in his early years as a student under Tremble. Again, he diverted his attention to the world outside the window as blue sky peeked through the dissipating cloud cover.
2: That's about it. Witches and psychics. I have a few friends, one in particular, who've shown me interesting things with their psychic powers, prediction and telekinesis. How does art do that, anyway? I played around at Duke's Ryan Institute over in Durham for a while. Now, I don't suppose that means anything to you.
0: A man known able, psychically, is not to be taken lightly. The subject reminded him of Durwan. Warm light washed through the window as the last of the clouds scudded onward, and Gaewan lifted his face to the sun and shut his eyes in a moment of contentment. The heat and brightness soothed his jangled nerves. He opened Holy his God. eyes and scanned the heavens.
2: You know about psychic ability?
0: Paul, where is your sister?
2: Huh? I don't have a sister.
0: I see only one son.
2: One son? I thought you said sister. Oh, the son. That's right. You're used to two sons.
0: The son? Gawan wondered how a world could exist with only one flame in the heavens. The immediate thought of staying here for more than a day made him suddenly homesick. To have only one sun, without even a rim of the second peeking from behind the first made him uneasy. Paul came over and peered out the window with
2: him. I suppose that would be a shock, having always lived under a double star system didn't really shock me all that much, seen them in Star Wars, movies and stuff.
0: How do you measure a sun cycle with just one sun?
2: Sun cycle? Oh yeah, we have no such thing, just years like your reads, And centuries equaling a hundred years. And years are twelve months, and months are approximately four weeks. Gee, now it's my turn to play tutor. Weeks? A week is seven days.
0: A quarter of a
2: moon. Uh, yeah. What determines the sun cycle?
0: Paul tried to dredge up any facts he had read on astronomy, but had little luck. A sun cycle is 144 riads, the time it takes for the sisters to complete one revolution. Paul tried to remember the differences between revolutions and orbits, and radiuses and
2: circumferences. Revolution? Your suns rotate?
0: They orbit a magnetic center like this. Gawon held up his fists and moved them in a circle around an unseen axis. Because of this, there are times when, from our world's perspective, we see only one sun because the other has moved behind it. The weather gets very cold during those moons.
2: Wow! How do you know so much about orbits and magnetic centers?
0: My father was an astronomer. He spent many nights studying the sky. He taught me all that I know about worlds and suns and how they move in relation to each other.
2: I didn't mean to imply I thought you were stupid, Gawon. It's just that in our midday evil time was the period of our civilization's history that comes closest to your world and how it, um, it works. At that time, most people believed the world was stationary and the stars moved around it. The Earth was the center of their galaxy and not moving in relation to it.
0: Hmm. Nonplussed, Gawon lifted an eyebrow, reminding Paul of the Star Trek character, Mr. Spock, who always seemed to punctuate others' erroneous statements with a lifted brow. Did they not observe how some stars seemed to move back and forth, as opposed to those that seemed to move steadily? This alone would be ample proof of anything, but this world being the center, would it not? Paul smiled ruefully, seeing he was getting in over his head. Sensing a love of knowledge and discussion emerging from the Enchanter, he decided on a careful withdrawal.
2: I'm sorry, Gaewan, but I'm afraid your astuteness with astronomy far outweighs my own knowledge. I'm good for a couple of constellations in the northern sky, but not much more. Suffice it to say, in the olden days, the people in this world were too scared of changing or correcting common knowledge and assumptions. so. Until a lot of people could agree with the proof, nobody wanted to rock the boat.
0: Gaiwan nodded with a Mm. frown of thought. Aye, my own father was little known for his observations except among his circle of scholars. I know of what you speak. The vulgar folk prefer to think of our two sons as the God's mighty eyes gazing down upon them. The times when one son hides behind another is the God's wink of discord when all people suffer for their sins against them.
2: Tough religion, huh?
0: (laughs) My family ignored that nonsense. Only those who didn't prepare for the long winters suffered. It gets cold for ten moons or so. I simply enjoyed playing in all the snow with my friends. Paul meditated on the possible orbit patterns of the planets in Gawain's solar system and decided that in order for a world to see two suns which orbited a magnetic center created by their proximity, the sun's orbit pattern would have to be perpendicular to the orbit of the planets. He wasn't sure if astronomers would agree with him, but then most of what they knew seemed more theory than fact anyway. Anything is possible especially in another universe. Meanwhile, enough higher cloud cover had moved out to make further looking at the sun directly impossible, and Gawon turned away from the window, waving hands in dismissal of the subject. He was sure there would be more unusual things in this world, enough to keep him wondering for heads to come. Are you ready to leave? He noticed Paul's apparel appeared not too different from his own garb, Breeches of heavy, rough blue cloth that fit snugly, topped with a tunic of pale blue tucked beneath the cinch line.
2: Yeah, um, how do you want me to introduce you if someone asks?
0: If someone asks, which I sincerely doubt, you may name me truthfully. I have have no no one one to fear fear here. here. I will follow you unseen, as I was when Marie entered.
2: I meant to ask you about that. How do you know where to step if you can't see your feet?
0: I can see my feet, others cannot. By turning invisible, I am actually raising the vibrations of my body to a slightly higher state.
2: Oh, kind of like an electric fan when it's on. You can't see the blades while they're spinning.
0: Gawan could only stare back, lost again, in Paul's strange words that didn't seem to translate. Some sort of throwing weapon? He dispelled the thought with a shake of his head. Oh. May we begin our journey? Let's go. Paul waited outside his door for Gaewon to follow, peeking in when no one appeared. Again, Gaewon had disappeared.
2: Already? What if I need to find you?
0: Just speak and I will hear. Take Glake upon your shoulder and I will be able to hear the slightest whisper. Invisible hands deposited an unseen slight weight onto Paul's shoulder. Right. The mudcat snagged him momentarily with claws. Once Glink had settled, though, he found the sensation of warm fur breathing next to his neck rather pleasant.
2: At least my ears will be warm.
0: Locking the deadbolt, he turned and walked leisurely down the door-lined hall. What is this place you live within?
2: A university. Better known as an institution of higher learning. Like your royal college, only much bigger.
0: Paul was glad there was some correlation between worlds. Marie had mentioned the Royal College of Hmm. Then you are of noble birth on your world. Fitting for a demigod, I would suppose.
2: I wish. Are you not? Hardly. Universities make a business out of education for those who can't afford it one way or another. Hmm, interesting.
1: And produced by Kurt Paul Hotelling. Copyright 2023. Character voices for episode two are performed by Kevin Norris, Geraldine Cummings, Puffin Muffin, and H. The Great and Powerful.